the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Next Level Wednesday. It's time to take that next step in this journey towards the Lord. Our hope is in who? Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, okay. Hallelujah. I'm going to say, if, you, if your hope is in me, buddy, <laughs> my own hope ain't in me, so my hope is in Jesus. He never let me down. He's good. How many believes Jesus has been good? Where would you be without Jesus in your life? When you look at people that don't believe in Jesus and don't live for Him, don't your heart go out to them? It's like, what are you thinking? How do you lay your head on the pillow at night and go to sleep knowing that you ain't right with your Maker? Not knowing that love. That's why they're so mean out there. That's why the world's growing darker because they just get, they're getting farther away from the light. And the farther you get from the light, the darker things grow. Things just going cold in the world. Well, let's pray. It's going to be hot in here tonight. The light's going to be shining in here tonight. I'm talking spiritually hot. Not. We're going to keep the AC going to kind of cool us off. It's going to be like refreshing wind blowing through here. Thank you, Jesus. Our hope is in you and you alone. You're the anchor for our souls. You're why we sing these songs. You're why they write the songs. Without you, we wouldn't have the language to sing the songs, to, to understand when, what we were singing. Without you, we wouldn't have musical instruments to play the songs. You've given us all wisdom and learning and understanding. You've given us every good and perfect gift and it's come down from the Father of lights. Everything that's, that's in harmony Everything that's beautiful, everything that makes life worth living. You came to give us life and life more abundantly. And Lord, help us to choose life. You said I set before you today blessing and cursing and life and death. Then you tell us to choose life. And every day we wake up in the morning with the opportunity to choose to live in that old flesh that we used to be in or to live in this new spirit that you've given us. Right now we choose to live in the spirit, Lord. Right now, we choose to, to read your word with spiritual eyes and to have spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit would say to us through your word. Your word is alive, it's sharp, it's quicker, quick, and is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it'll cut right down into the, the heart of every matter. And Lord, we just ask you to expose us tonight. Cut away things that's not of you. Mold our hearts and shape us. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Some time ago, I guess about a year and a half or so, we was ministering at those apartments across the street over there, going door to door, knocking on the door. I remember going with Brenda one time. I think this one time it was me and Angie was uh, going, and I think somebody else was with us. I can't remember who it was. We knock on this one door, and a fella come to the door, all clean cut, nice, shaven, Looked like a businessman or something and said, uh, we're in the neighborhood praying for folks. You need prayer for anything? He says, oh, yeah, you can pray for me. And uh, I said, so are you a Christian? Are you a believer? He goes, well, he said, I got saved. I started going to church and I was serving in the church. And, and uh, I was all excited about that stuff for a little while. And I said, well, what happened? He said, well, you know, I started doing some research. I started, I started checking the, the flight patterns of the Mongolian seals on their, as they made their southward trek. To, I'm just making this up, but I mean, that's basically what it sounded like to me. Just nonsense. I, I, I researched the price of eggs in China, you know, 
And then I, then I looked in the Bible and saw that the eggs, uh, which came first, the chicken or the egg. And I mean, I'm talking nonsense, you understand, but that's what it sounds. All this research and this reasoning this man had done in his mind, he said, I don't really believe anymore. And I said, so you're telling me that you received Jesus' forgiveness and you ask him into your heart, but then you, it, you got it so far up into your head that you forgot everything that your heart told you. He said, yeah, I guess so. I said, well, won't you just come back to reality? Won't you just come back to what you know and what you feel to be true and stop listening to all those internet conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff and get back to the Bible and to the Word of God and and pursue Jesus again? He said, well, I'm going to study it out. And I hadn't seen him. We invited him to church, but he didn't come. There's a lot of people out there in the world today that are confused. You tell somebody Jesus loves them today, you don't know what you're going to hear. I told one guy, Jesus loves you. He goes, well, at y'all's church, do y'all sprinkle or do you dunk them? I said, what? He said in baptism, do you sprinkle or do you dunk? I said, well, we put them all the way under. He said, good, because I wasn't going to no church just to sprinkle. (laughs) I had one guy say, y'all got chairs or pews? I said, I just asked you, did you want prayer? You know, I'm just trying to tell you Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for your life. Yeah, but I don't like them pews no more. I got to have me a pad when I go to church. One guy said, do you believe in the post-tribulation, post-tribulation? Tribulation rapture or pre-tribulation? I said, um, I mean, this is kind of a secondary issue, kind of off topic we were talking about, but, you know, I kind of lean towards the pre-tribulation rapture. He goes, well, I'm (laughs) (laughs) mid-trib. I said, Okay. They ask questions like, are you Calvinist or are you Armenian? I said, I don't even know what neither one of them are. <laughs> and I'm a pastor. Is it, is it required to know? I mean, I didn't have no schooling. I just love Jesus. I'm sorry. <laughs> Some of them say, Did, do you celebrate the Sabbath on the Sunday or the Saturday? I say I celebrate Jesus all the time. Yeah. I go to church on Sunday. He's the Sabbath. He's the rest. Yeah. Does it matter? Y'all have met people like that. <laughs> Does your church have a staple? <laughs> I got to go to church with a staple. Y'all, y'all sing hymns, don't you? Y'all ain't got no drums. Y'all got drums. I ain't coming. <laughs> Look, man, we ain't trying to sell the church. We're trying. We're just here to tell you about Jesus, the one that died on the cross for you. Well, I don't see dinosaurs in the Bible. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, we can we can look better. I mean, we'll we'll try to get back with you on that one. But how about you just come to church, you know, and and worship the Lord. And in, in the meantime, we can sort. He can sort all that out later. Turn to Colossians chapter two. These are true stories. This is the kind of stuff people want to talk about. They want to change the subject, and that's why y'all need to come to Dare to Share One Hundred and One this Sunday. From 1.30 to 2.30 in the sanctuary after the service, we're going to have some role playing and all this. We're going to talk about how to share your faith. And when people come up with these weird and wacky off-subject kind of things, they just want to start talking religion, we'll show you how to get them back on the track. Get them back to the heart of the matter. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. The fifth one is not really a next step class, but we just lump it in there with them since we... Yeah, yeah, you can come. The fourth one's the only one you got to go to all the first three on. Colossians chapter 2. Y'all remember we went through all of Colossians 1 last week, right? I preached myself plumb happy last week. 
just started talking about Jesus. I mean, that's all you got to do. <laughs> Secret to happiness. Stop thinking about stupid stuff. <laughs> well, I tell you, we just get down to the nuts and the bolts in Passion Church, don't we? I done lost Colossians. Somebody stole it out of my Bible. Okay, well, we'll just read it off here. All right. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. Apostle Paul's talking to the church in Colossae. He says, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. Now, he's talking to the church in Colossae. I guess he started that church. He knows them, but they got a neighboring church over there in Laodicea. He's saying, share this letter with them because I'm praying for them too. He said, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. And Paul's like, like a, a believer should be. When you get saved and you experience God's love, it's like it's just it should be burning in you. Paul said, woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel in another place. And here is the, the love of God and the being knit together and, and the encouragement of love. He's just concerned about people he don't even know. And that's what happened to me. When I got saved, I got driven to people that I don't know or not in my family or not in my realm of influence. I still care about them and will do whatever I can to get the word out. God's love becomes a big thing to those who have been radically saved by it. It was God's love that gave you hope and a future. And so it becomes big in your life. And Paul said, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan. You know God had a mysterious plan? But He don't have a mysterious plan anymore. He's just got a plan. It says His mysterious plan was Christ Himself. And he don't have a plan B. He don't need a plan B. All of God's love is in Jesus. And he is the plan. It's not Jesus and your good works. It's not Jesus and your good looks. It's not Jesus and anything. Steeples, dinosaurs, Armenians. No, just Jesus. And that's what we need to concentrate on. Jesus did it all. He is all. Colossians 3.11 says He is all and in all. At least all who believe, all who receive. Last week we said it like this in the first book of, uh, chapter of Colossians. We titled it Supreme. Because Christ is supreme. He's before everything. He's the creator of everything. We talked about that... Everything in that chapter just made us happy because we know that our Lord and Savior is supreme above all. Well, tonight's message is on the second chapter of Colossians, and we're going to call it Enough. Because not only is He supreme, He is more than enough. Can I get an amen on that one? Have you found that to be true? In the, I think it's the 8th chapter of the book of Acts, Philip the evangelist is in Samaria. And he's uh, preaching and he's casting out devils and he's doing miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit in him. And he runs into this fellow that was big time in Samaria. His name was Simon the sorcerer. And he made himself out to be something fantastic. He fooled the people with magic and sorcery and things. And everybody w was amazed by Simon. They thought he was a big deal. In fact, they, they called him a god in Samaria. They thought, man, he's, we listen to everything he says. He's like, he can do anything. Because he was fooling them, bewitching them with magic. Well, when Simon saw the real deal come into town through Philip, and Philip, by the power of the Holy Spirit that's available to us, was casting out devils. He was uh, healing folks. And, and Simon saw real miracles that wasn't explained by some trickery. Even Simon got saved. 
I mean, he just, all of his notoriety and everything, he said, okay, I, you know, I was the big shot around here. But look, this stuff is real. I'm just going to be honest. I'm, I'm getting saved. And he got saved. Then Peter and, I think it was Peter and John or, no, Peter and James and John or somebody, two, two cats came in from Jerusalem and was getting everybody filled with the Holy Ghost. And then Simon saw this. And he said, I got to have that. Give me this power that I may lay hands on people and see them filled with the Holy Ghost. In other words, it, you mean I can have the Holy Spirit? I can lay hands on the sick and watch them recover? And I can lay hands on other people and give them this power? He said, I'll pay for it. How much I got to owe y'all to, to, for you to give me this power? Peter said, your money perish with you. You can't buy the things of God. But I wanted to bring that story out because this man was somebody that, that was uh, fooling everybody. And that's the way a lot of us live. At some point, you was trying to be the big shot. You wanted to fool everybody with your act. You was trying to act like you had it all together and you wanted everybody to come to you because you was the one who was large and in charge. But you came to that place where you saw the real power. And it was in the love of Jesus. It was in the Holy Spirit of God. And you sold all you had that you may receive Christ. He went too far trying to buy the things of God, but he didn't know. He didn't know. That's just the way he, he thought. He was a baby Christian. And they said, no, that ain't the way it works. And he said, well, okay, pray for me. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to be offensive. I just, But he wanted that power. He wanted the power of love in his life. When we stop pretending, see, he was pretending to have power. But if we'll stop pretending to be something we're not and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, then we'll be able to be used for his power, with his power. In verse 3 of our text in Colossians, it says, In him, meaning in Christ, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, it's not just the power to do miracles, but all the wisdom and knowledge that you could ever desire is in Him. Jesus sent His Spirit into our hearts to teach us more about Him. And the more we learn about Him, then, then unlock the mysteries, unlock the wisdom of God. In 1 John 2, 27, it says, but you have received the Holy Spirit and He lives within you so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what He teaches is true. And it is not a lie. And I will add that the Holy Spirit is always going to be in alignment with the Word of God. He's never going to say something that's not in the Word of God. He's never going to take away and try to correct anything in the Word of God. Because basically... Jesus is the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit is Jesus' Spirit, so they're one, and they're going to agree in one. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so if you hear a voice speaking and you think it's the Holy Spirit, but it's telling you to do something that ain't in the Bible, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. And as you grow as a Christian, you begin to, you begin to uh, meditate on the things of God, and you begin to develop your relationship with your master, Jesus. That's what we're talking about, is getting to know Jesus tonight. The more you get to know Him, the more you'll recognize the voice of your shepherd. And that counterfeit comes, you'll know, oh, no, that's not God. That's not God. That's not, I don't even feel right. Really, it's more of a feeling. Have you noticed that? Those of you that hear the voice of God in, in the, that still, small voice and Come pops in your head, and, and, and when it's not God, you just like, that just feels dark, you know? But, but God is, Jesus is always so encouraging and always so, uh, just, it's just a, a fit. It's just like, hmm. But anyway, it says, so just as He taught you, meaning the Holy Spirit, remain in fellowship with Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to teach you because that's where He's leading you, Right? He's going to always point you to Jesus because that's where everything, all the, the wisdom and knowledge is hid in Christ. He's going to point you. See, every, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation points you to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is always going to point you to Jesus. The Father is pointing you to Jesus. Does that make sense? 
Verse 4. <clears throat> I am telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you're living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. And let your roots grow deep down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. See, Paul is giving you some clues right here. You want a successful life that gives you cause to be thankful all the time? Well, what did he say? First, you started, you had enough faith in Christ that you accepted Christ Jesus. And then you continue to follow him. And then you, you grow roots deep down into him and you build your life upon him as your solid rock. Everything that you do is, is in, upon, faith in Christ Jesus. Paul was so sure that a, built, a life built on Jesus will assure us, that uh, so sure that a life built on Christ that he could assure us that we would be thankful. You'll be thankful. I believe we all know we will. And I bet if you ask anybody in here on a Sunday, oh yeah, I, I know these things. I know that I'm supposed to build my life on Christ. I know that my roots are supposed to grow in Him. I know that I'm supposed to make, you know, be strong in faith. I know all those things. Then why the hesitancy to do it? You see, some people have been in church four months, and you see them all in. But yet you see some been in church 40 years, and they're still tentative. I don't know. And they know. They know that, that the times that they did taste and see that he was good, that he was good. The times that they trusted him, he opened the windows of heaven and poured out a blessing. They know. But they're hesitant, still debating whether to trust whether to tithe, whether to turn your whole life over and go whole hog. And I, I don't know. It's just residue of that old rebellious nature, I guess, that we still want to hold on to some part and we don't want to let go and truly trust in Christ. Verse 8 says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. The devil is a distractor. And he's a master of complicating and confusing things that should be so simple. Like that poor fellow we knocked on his door. He had it. He had the pearl of a great price, but he let the devil talk him out of it. It was so simple. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. If I ask you this question, is God enough? Is He all-powerful? Can He do whatever He wants to do? Is He good? Is He for us? Of course He is. And if He's all those things and the fullness of God is in Christ, <laughs> what are we waiting for? If God be for you, who can be against you? Verse 10 says, so you, are, you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. See, he ranks higher than all those devils, all those liars. And every name that is named will bow the knee to Jesus. And we are made complete in him. He's all that we need. It isn't Jesus and my job or Jesus and my doctor. It isn't Jesus and this and my, or my, my husband or Jesus or anything. It's just Jesus. 
See, He is the center of the wheel. He's the Most High God. And when He is in the center of your life, your life is balanced. And you have everything else in order. He's not against you having a car. He's not against you having a house or a job or a a husband or a wife or anything. In fact, you'll never know the fullness of the joy of having those things with God's blessing without putting Jesus in the center. If you just put Jesus in the center of everything, everything else work itself out. God prescribed a cure for all our ills. And His name is Jesus. You need healing? He's a great physician. Restoring, saving. You need resources? He meets all our needs according to His riches and glory. By Christ Jesus. But yet... We don't come to church because we got to make a living. <laughs> you see how backwards we got things? You need comfort? He's the God of all comfort. You need confidence? Love, hope, joy, peace, purpose? You need a plan? <laughs> what could we possibly need that our Lord and Savior can't give us? The Bible says that in Romans 8, that if God gave His only Son, with Him will He not freely give us everything else that we need that pertains to life and godliness? And everything in the Greek means everything in the English. Everything. He's a one-stop shop. He's what your heart is long for all along. Verse 11 says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised. But not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of your sinful nature. So it was a spiritual act. You see, physical circumcision was just something they did in the Old Testament. was painting a picture of the spiritual circumcision to come. It was a cutting away that seemed kind of painful at the time, but it was symbolic of a cutting away of your sinful nature that would come when Jesus came. Now, let me ask you this. Once the real has come, do you need the illustration anymore? See, what was happening was there was new believers that were coming to Christ after Jesus ascended into heaven, Paul was getting people saved, but then he, then he would go off somewhere and he'd come back, and all these Jews were on their case about you got to be circumcised, even if you're a Christian, even if you made Jesus Lord of your life. If you're not circumcised, you're not going to heaven. But once the real deal is here, you don't need the, the illustration anymore. Right? It's sort of like John the Baptist. He was here, he was baptizing folks, he was preaching repentance for the kingdom of God is at hand. But when Jesus came, he, his disciples were saying, what about him? He, John was like, you really need to go with him because I'm not even worthy to unloose his shoes, man. He's the real deal. I told you that I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's him. And some of his disciples came and said, you see what's going on? That Jesus fellow over there, they're baptizing everybody. Now hardly anybody's coming to us anymore. And that's what John the Baptist said. Praise God. I must decrease. He must increase. Just the way it's got to be. And that's good advice for your life right here and right now. The more you think of yourself, the more you're planning your future built around your desires and you hadn't even consulted God, you need to decrease. You need to cut off everything that's not saturated by God. Verse 12 says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. 
And with him you were raised to a new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. Can you imagine that? Your sins written all down, everything God could hold against you as far as sin, it was nailed to the cross. And there it was, this old rugged cross with all your junk on it. And the only thing missing on that cross is you because that's your cross. But then Jesus allowed them to put him on your cross, on my cross. And he took away. It says, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. All those accusers of the brethren, the devil and all his cohorts. All those that kept pointing at you and saying, aha, uh-huh, you sinned. You're no good. You'll never mount to anything. God don't love you. You're ugly. You go to a church without a steeple. All the silly stuff that the devil has just consumed us with all these years, all the distractions, all the confusion, all the false narratives that he has placed in our life, got us chasing this, chasing that, running off after things that don't matter, spending our youth on things that didn't make a hill of beans. But Jesus disarmed all those spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And when we saw that, that's what touched our hearts. When we, it says, Jesus said, it, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And really, you know that had to touch your heart. You know that cross, deep down, you know that cross was yours. And when you saw him on your cross, when you finally figured out what that meant, and see, that's what people don't know out there. I try to tell them. I sat down with them little kids the other day. I said, how many of y'all know Jesus died on the cross? Almost all of them raised their hand. Yeah, yeah, he came down on the cross for our sins. They know that much. I said, well, what, what did dying on the cross have to do with your sins? Hold on. Why did he die on the cross? Because they put him on there. They don't know. But when you figure it out, you figure that he gave. He said, no man takes my life from me, but I give it up. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. And he willingly laid down his life. And when, you, when that first hit in that spot that was missing him, ding, 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 bingo. That's the completeness I've looked for and longed for. Somebody who would love me so completely. And he was lifted up and you saw it. And you were drawn to him. Y'all ever see that movie Overboard? About 20 times? Comes on every day. Like Gilligan's Island used to or something. I mean... Goldie Hawn, was, she got, fell overboard and she lost her memory or whatever. And then what's his name? Kurt Russell. He had these kids and they, he didn't like her. And the, make a short, long story short, he, he acted like it was his wife and he claimed her from the hospital and they went home with him. And she was, I can't believe I live here, you know. And these kids, I don't recognize them. And, and all these, and the kids was just wild. as cra- They were crazy kids. No discipline in their life or whatever. Them kids didn't care nothing about that woman. They just thought it was a big joke at first. But then as they got to know each other, they smoothed a few things out. But it wasn't until that those kids got in trouble at school one day. And, and they got in trouble with the teacher. And the teacher called, the, the principal called home. And the daddy wasn't there, so the mama she went down there, and it was her first time coming into school acting like a mama, and, and she was wanting to be apologetic and whatever. But then she heard that principal bad-mouthing those children. Just a, she could tell that she was getting hot about that. And then she realized the reason those children had been acting so bad all day was because they had poison ivy all over them. And the, and the, teacher, and the 
The principal didn't recognize that. And so she lit into that principal. She told him what's up. She shamed him, shamed that lady publicly. And I think in, in my mind, that's where the turning point was. That's when them little boys started wanting her to be the mama. And it's the same way. Jesus came. She, they saw that she cared. And Jesus, He came and He showed that He cared about us. And that He was willing to fight for us. And to take our side in life. Nobody had ever wanted to take my side, especially because I was this little runny-nosed runt kid that was bad all the time anyway, whether I had poison ivy or not. But he cared enough. And that's when them little kids wanted her to be the mama. Whew, verse 16. Now we're going to talk about some people that... uh kind of stuck in the Old Testament. Y'all know there's two Testaments, right? There's an Old Testament and a New Testament. And the Bible says that the New Testament is a better, it cancels the Old Testament, right? It's built on better promises. It's a better covenant. It's an eternal covenant. But a lot of people, when they come into Christianity, they, they read the Old Testament stuff and they have a hard time understanding the covenant situations and everything, and they get kind of stuck in the Old Testament. And they say, well, aren't I not supposed to eat shellfish? Or am I not supposed to do bacon? And, you know, all these things, these Jewish laws or whatever, and like circumcision. Am I supposed to get circumcised now? And and that that perplexed Dorinda for years. I mean, she, she didn't know what to do with that. And <clears throat> But anyway, just kidding. I'm glad you weren't paying attention. Okay. Yeah, but I was talking about circumcision, but I'm glad you didn't hear that part. Okay, verse 16. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only a shadow of the reality to come. And Christ himself is that reality. The things of the Old Testament. Now, I'm not saying that we don't glean wisdom from those things. I'm not saying, but we're no longer under the Old Testament. Now that Christ has come, we have a New Testament. And he is the reality of everything that the Old Testament was pointing to. So now we follow the new way. Does that make sense? We keep our eyes on Jesus and we don't get ourselves back in bondage to the things that we could that, that were holding us captive in the first place. Even the Ten Commandments, the law, was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It wasn't meant nobody could be saved by the law. The law just showed us our sinfulness and our need for Christ. So it had its place, but it was pointing to the reality. But now the real has come. We don't need the illustration anymore. We can look to the real to see what's real. And Jesus summed it up when he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two most important uh, commandments, in all, and it sums up all the law and the prophets. The law of love supersedes, you know, this or that or this in the Old Testament. Where was I at? Okay. In fact, Paul said of those insisting on circumcision, those ones who had come in and insist that the people get circumcised after they put their faith in Christ, in Galatians 5.12 he says, as for those agitators... I wish they would go the whole way and just emasculate themselves. In other words, I wish if you want us, you don't want everybody else to cut it off, you cut it off. And don't just cut it, cut a little bit of it off, you cut the whole thing off. Now, I'm sure he was just being facetious a little bit. He was just a little frustrated with them. But there's a reality in that. In the Old Testament, you just cut off a little bit as a picture. But in the New Covenant... We really do. We cut off everything. We die to this old self. 
And we're willing to cut everything off. This old, the whole sinful nature, all of it, gone. To be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Behold, the old is dead. The new has come. Am I making sense to you? Okay. Good, good. You know, I don't mean to oversimplify things. I'm not dismissing anything in the Old Testament has to say. And, uh, you know, when you preach a message like this, you've you, you got to bring some balance to it. But, but re, really, too many people are looking at the, the secondary issues. When you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus, He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He will show you everything you need to do. It just showed us that if we'll, He sent His Holy Spirit, if we'll listen to the Holy Spirit, He'll teach you everything you need to know. You don't even need that another man teach you, especially not another internet preacher. Because, I mean, there's some wackadoo stuff out there. I'm serious. So we got to be careful. We, we, we really can't afford to take our eyes off of Jesus having come this far. And, and let, let the, the devil reason you out of your, what's in your heart. Get you back up into your head. Your head got you in all that trouble before you knew Jesus. So just cut the whole thing off if that's what you need to do, Paul said. But stop trying to drag our people back down to where they were before they met Jesus. So some people kind of, you know, get confused about the Old Testament, get stuck there, and some people are just stuck on stupid. You can't fix stupid, no. You can, only Jesus. But now we're going to talk about people that that just make stuff up. Just make up their own religious. You know, I used to do that before I knew Jesus. I, I, God was the person that I wanted him to be, not the person that he revealed himself to be. And our own vain philosophy. Everybody wants to be a philosopher. Everybody wants their ideas to be valid and to be correct. And everybody to look up to them like Simon the sorcerer. Right? Bewitching the people. Just making up stuff. Trickery. Well, this is where we go here in verse 18. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or worship of angels. Saying that they had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. And they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. They really don't know Jesus. They're not, they're not have good intentions, but just wrong. These people are just trying to, to draw people away after themselves. They're trying to say, well, I'm all, I'll show you how to be righteous. Watch me. You know, I, I, I punish my body. I do this. And they're, they're trying to do all these acts to show, you know, to put themselves through poverty, this and uh, fasting, you know, to the point to just show off and all these kind of things just to get attention and draw the attention to themselves. There's nothing wrong with fasting. There's nothing wrong with if you're poor or whatever. But, but you know, they, they do it. What does it say? Self, a pious self-denial. And their sinful minds have made them proud. And they're not correct, connected to the Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with his joints and his ligaments as it grows. And it grows as God nourishes us. So what we need to be is not stuck on the Old Testament, not stuck on stupid. We just need to be stuck on Jesus. Verse 20 says, you have died with Christ. And he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. From all that confusion. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Did, you know, when I first got saved, I thought I had to prove to God how much I loved Him, and I thought I had to be miserable all the time to, to be show God how, you know, how hard I'm showing Him how much I love Him. 
And we can have all these weird ideas. And yeah, and it's, it's a false humility. Is that who said that? That's exactly right. It's a false humility. When, when you punish yourself in that manner, self-denial and all these things, and just show how miserable you are, and, and you're trying to impress God, it doesn't impress God. Yeah, it's the law of love that should direct our hearts. It's the law of love. If you want to fast, fine. But you ain't got to punish yourself. God, God ain't in just punishing us. We'll close with this. Peter, James, and John were taken up onto a high mountain with Jesus. And there, Jesus was transfigured. They call it the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus was transfigured, meaning that he began to, you begin to see him in all of his glory. His robe and his coat or whatever he was wearing just turned whiter than any laundry detergent could get it. I mean, he just began to glow. And not only that, there was Moses and Elijah appeared with him. He came down and they were talking. Now Peter, he sees this. And I don't know what Peter had been figuring. But whatever he was figuring changed after he saw this transfiguring. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what the world was about to Peter until, until he saw Jesus in all of his glory. Maybe Jesus had just been a person to him that he was still trying to figure out. Maybe he, he called him Lord or whatever, but you know, there's still that little bit of doubt in there. But what do you do when you see a man glowing and you see Moses and Elijah talking to him up on a high mountain? Well, what does Peter do? Probably what a lot of people would do. Uh-oh, I got to get a hold of this situation. I got to handle this. Right? That's what we do. We think we've got to control everything. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get a tabernacle for you, Moses. We're going to get one for you, Elijah. Jesus, we surely got you one. We're going to put a steeple on yours. <laughs> so he's trying to arrange tabernacles for everybody. Right? I don't know what came, why that came to his mind, what he was thinking. But our human reasoning, right? And I want you to know what God thinks about our human reasoning sometimes. I don't know if God scratches his head. But I do know this. Sometimes he will send a cloud. And he sent a cloud to overshadow them. And a voice out of the clouds said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Won't you listen to him? Stop doing all the talking, all the planning, trying to make it all about what you can do and what you can't do. And why don't we show some real humility? And just realize it's it's always been about him, and it'll always be about him. And just be, and he is he has welcomed me into his family, and and put me inside of him. And I really I, I really don't have to perform. I don't have to have this pious self denial. I don't have to be Mister Righteous. I don't have to live up to six hundred fifty three laws in the Old Testament. I just need to keep my eyes on Jesus. I just need to love Him. And the deeper I go in, into His love, the more thankfulness I have, the more humility is built in me, the more He can use me, the more I just lay back and I say, it was Christ in me all along. All, and, and now you'll begin to see Him do all these things in your life, these things that you never dreamed that you would do. It's not entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love Him. Within each one of us is the potential to rock the entire world. I truly believe that you, with, with a, a complete heart sold out to Jesus, there's nothing that is impossible for you. 
And the gifts and abilities he's given you, coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit in a sold-out heart full of faith and, and humility that's operating in love, there's nothing that he won't do through you. And the more we hold on to the things of this earth, and the more we just try to, conf- we let the devil confuse the matter and keep talking us out of what we knew to be true. Why would I have to preach a message like this to the next level group? If, if our brains didn't leak at night, and we have to wake up again and decide again tomorrow, don't we? So we just keep telling you, we just keep preaching the same good news. That really, cast all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. He's got it. He's not going to let you down. He's never going to fail you. He's never going to leave you. He's got plans for you and to prosper you and give you a future and a hope. He's, he's going to give you everything that you need. I mean, the little birds don't worry about where they're going to get food. The lilies of the field don't worry about how they're going to be clothed. He's got all of that stuff. In fact, the more you take things up into your own hands, the more he sits back and says, well, I'll let them learn. He said, unless you come with childlike faith, you're not even, even going to touch the kingdom. You're not going to experience anything that I want for you to have. The kingdom is righteousness, love, and joy, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, man. The kingdom is... There's all those good things that your heart longs for. But you're not going to see those things until you stop trying to be the, the adult in the situation. and letting, You're the child. You're, you're the child of God. Stop acting like a hard-headed teenager in the relationship and fighting against God. He says, unless you come like a little child, you're not worried about... Daddy paying the bills. You're not worried about anything. All he asks us to do is get along in, the, in, the, in this sandbox called earth with the other kids. Love on them a little bit. Enough to tell them about Jesus. So that's my message. Jesus is supreme. And Jesus is enough. I can't wait to see what he is next week. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.